You are listening to a podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 234 for the week of November 4th, 2018. Welcome back to the longest-running podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series and occasionally HBO's Thrones. As usual, this is Ashley. And this is Amin. And we're joined by two uh, guests from BOK today who will introduce themselves in the uh, BOK seniority rank. I don't know. Fight <laughs> <laughs> no, it up for rank. Matt, do you want to go by curator or by... <laughs> Alright, I'll go first. Um, this is Casey. I'm Blue-Eyed Queen on the forums. And I'm Matt Varley on the forums. And I think you've both been on the podcast before. Have you recorded with Ashley before, though? Or, or no? I have not. I, I've uh, recorded with you, Amin, uh, with Kyle, and with Momo. Not Mimi, because yeah. she left the recording going and the dog was barking <laughs> in the background. <laughs> so you're not quite in the Triple Gold Club yet. Or actually, you are in the Triple Gold Club, but I guess not Platinum Club, which is every host. That's, that's yeah, the but, but Momo's got to count for something. That's right. That's half that of, no that's one half, else is. Halfway there. Half of the <laughs> <stamp>. <laughs> the only other one I've been on was... Uh, uh, Ice and Firecon recap. Um, I think not this past one, but the one before that. Yeah, you've been to how many times have you been to Ice and Firecon? Two times or? Yeah, just these two times. Yeah. Are you heading out this year? Of course. Yeah. No, I already bought my ticket. Oh, what about you, Matt? You're gonna. Uh, no, I don't like uh, large groups of nerds or large <laughs> groups of coworkers, so I don't go to conferences or cons or really anything involving large numbers of people. Okay, well, let's get into news here since it's been a while since we recorded, although I'm planning to to get some more active uh, records out, try to record at least once a month, maybe more. Uh, in terms of what's upcoming, actually, I'm going to be interviewing Jason Walden from... Fantasy Flight Games in regard to the new expansion coming out, Mother of Dragons, for uh, the board game. So if you have questions out there listening, because uh, it, I mean, it's been announced for a while and there's details out there, send them in because we're going to have an exclusive interview on that. Is this his third interview with you guys? I think this is maybe the fourth time that he's been on the show. It's the third interview in terms of like, we had an interview on the base game, and then we had an interview on the expansions, and this will be the third formal interview. Very cool. We also have some news in regard to Fire and Blood, and, and also just the community. I think Casey can tell us about uh, Greg, Claudius the Fool's news for this month. Yes, so um, Greg, uh, Claudius the Fool, owns a bookstore called Southampton Books. Um, it's in uh, Long Island um, in Southampton, which is towards the um, end of the Long Island. And you can go there um, Thanksgiving weekend on November 24th and play trivia. And you have a chance to win a signed hardcover, um, I think, of um, a Game of Thrones. Hmm. Pretty nice prize. And yeah, it's at 7 p.m. Saturday, November 24th. You can have teams. There is a $15 entry fee, but you get a good prize. And yeah, come out and join the party. Cool. We'll put a link up then with the episode as well for that. Yeah. Um, and then the other set of news I have is um, me, myself, um, Greg, uh, McCall, who is Inca's Rain on the forums, um, are going to be going to see George in person at... Um, and the one event that he's having for Fire and Blood in Jersey City, where John Hodgman is going to 
interview him apparently. Um, and we get a signed book with that. So uh, very exciting. Um, and, um, we, we will report back <laughs> with what he says. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Well, when you say signed book, what do you mean? Like you get to take one book to get signed or no, they're going to be, so the fee that we had to pay to do the event, we, um, with that, get a, get a copy of fire and blood on Monday, the 19th, which I think is Ooh. the day before it comes out. Um, and, uh, we get that version of it is signed. So, um, it is the one event that George is doing. I'm pretty sure it's sold out. They also had to move it to a bigger venue because they were originally going to do it at a bookstore and now they're doing it at the theater in Jersey city. So I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. It sounds pretty awesome. For those of you that have house man, Woody t-shirts now that's the event. Probably meet up with you. You can recognize other fans there. If they're in yeah, the I think audience. a bunch of people actually are going to come from who usually go to Ice and Fire Con are going to be there because, like, I know Chloe uh, just moved recently close by, and um, a couple of people from DC are driving up. So very excited. I'm sure Jasmine's up to stocking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to see if she's coming. Fire and Blood in general. That's that's the exciting news that it's coming out. And we will be doing a formal review of it. Uh, the question is if we, we'll, we may be able to even do an early review, get permission to do that, just initial thoughts on it uh, before it comes out, but then an actual uh, review of it after it comes out. That'll be nice. And then Mimi will be back for that. Yep. So, so you guys all got advanced copies? Uh, we don't have them yet, but we will have them in advance. So we will be allowed to, to go into details past a certain date. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the chapters, the longest running reread of A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, this week we have Danny 5 and Tyrion 7 uh, of A Storm of Swords. And I think, Matt, you have a recap for the Danny 5. Yeah, we're going to go uh, old school and just uh, do the Tower of the Hand recap because I am unprepared. That's traditional. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Daenerys beholds Marine, larger than Yunkai and Astapor combined, and built with the bricks of many colors. The soldiers of the city have retreated to their formidable defenses, save one champion who rides in front of the walls, demanding that Daenerys send a champion forward to challenge him in single combat. Ago, Jogo, and Ricaro all insist on meeting the challenge, but they are too valuable for Daenerys to risk losing. Ser Jorah believes that they should just leave the champion be, but Arston argues that refusing the challenge builds courage for their enemies and plants doubts in their allies. He thinks they must accept for honor's sake. Daenerys has bigger things to worry about. She has 80,000 people with her, but only a quarter are fighting men, with the rest being freed slaves that will soon be starving. The rulers of marine practice a scorched earth policy in the face of Daenerys' advance, leaving no food or water. They also place a disemboweled slave child at each mile marker on the road from Yunkai to Marine with an outstretched hand pointing towards the city. Dario leading the van began taking them down before Daenerys could see them, but she countermanded the order. 
Oh, man, who uses countermanded? Uh, there were 163 in total. Brown and Plum, the new commander of the Second Sons, tells Daenerys that the champion is Osnog Zopal, a vicious man who once killed a friend of Ben's named Scarb for, quote, raping a woman with his eyes, end quote. Osnog's uncle is the richest man in Marine, and his father commands a city watch. Ben was serving in the uncle's private guard when Osnog killed Scarb, and he was forced to flee the city before Osnog killed him. Daenerys decides the challenge must be met and orders Belwas to fight him. Belwas walks out to meet Ozna, who charges him with his lance. Belwas avoids two charges and then disables Ozna's horse on the third pass. A short melee ensues in which Belwas kills Ozna. Belwas takes a wound as he always lets his opponent cut him once. So Daenerys sends Missandei to get a healer. Afterwards, she calls a council of war and Belwas calls for liver and onions. Daenerys sits with Rhaegal, Viserion, Drogon, while Eri and Jiqui attend the the commanders. Dario is eager to loot Marine, but Ser Jorah does not think the city can be taken. A siege is not possible due to lack of provisions or woods to, burn, uh, to build engines. An assault on the seaward wall is impossible with only three ships, and the, and the defenders can pour boiling oil down on anyone who would try to batter down the gates. Ben agrees with the assessment, while Grey Worm says his men could batter down the gates, but their losses would be large. Sir Jorah says that they should leave the city be as there were in Westeros. Uh, Daenerys sees that as a defeat, but Ago, Jogo, and Ricaro argue that those who hide behind walls are the real losers. Daenerys does not like this idea at all, particularly since many of the freed slaves will starve. Ben mentions the sewers that empty into the Skahazadon, uh, through which he escaped the city after the incident with Scarb. The climb would be arduous, and he refuses to go, but the others are welcome to try. Daenerys thinks this does not sound promising, but will think on it. As her captives leave, Viserion lands on Ben, and Daenerys observes that the dragon likes him. Ben claims to have Targaryen blood in his family through uh, Lord Plum. His grandmother told him had a dick six... <laughs> Had <laughs> a dick six feet long and married a Targaryen princess. After Ben leaves, the Nary's thoughts turn to Dario, who does not have a six foot long dick uh, and is starting to take a fancy to. She thinks about marrying him and making him a dragon rider, but is disturbed by the thought. She finally feels the need for some air and has Missandei saddle silver. She takes Arsene with her and rides out among her people. She sees some of her and Sullied bathing in the sea, and further out, Balerion, Maraxis, and Vega are at anchor. Uh, she next rides through the camp of the freedmen. Sir Jorah has organized the fighting men into four strong companies, but they are not very disciplined. As she passes, the freedmen call out to her and come up to touch her stirrup or her leg. Suddenly, a man grabs her from behind, wretches her to the ground, and draws a sword. Daenerys realizes it's Miro as he prepares to kill her. Suddenly, Arston challenges Miro and dispatches him easily with his staff. Upon returning to her tent, Daenerys summons Sir Jorah and asks why she was not informed Miro had escaped. He did not want to worry her. She orders Jorah to knight Arston, but he refuses the honor, saying he is already a knight. Jorah recognizes him now and says, in fact, he is Sir Barristan Selmy. Barristan says it is so and reveals that Jorah had been a spy for Varys. Daenerys is hurt and furious at both of them. She orders them both to leave, but has no idea where to send them. Suddenly, she realizes what they must do. Scene. <laughs> Ooh, that was a long one. Thanks. Yeah, that was an exhaustive review, but of an important chapter in terms of what happens. 
just I guess starting off at the start, what was kind of interesting is just that this champion had the lance and he was on horseback. Like it's something you kind of at least picture only something in Westeros, right? But he he has that same kind of get up, although not quite the same armor, but kind of interesting that he has that. And then and then but then he doesn't. Baristan uh, basically is like, oh, he should dismount, but he doesn't. He just charges Bellus down or tries to, but impro- like not very effectively. So do you think that's like a difference between knights and Essos and Westeros, like how uh, Ariston thinks that's like unchivalrous, but do you think that's like kosher over in Essos? It, it was, you know, like when you say single combat, you kind of think of that as being more like an honorable thing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, 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 right. It's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's the opposite not of like a melee. battle, right? Right. Actually having a one-on-one challenge, so then why are you on a horse and he's not, right? Unless you're the Mad King and use Wildfire yes. as your champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, single. the idea of single... You're right. The idea of single combat, if you are going to go with it, is it's supposed to be like you're both on a horse or you're both on the ground or something like that, right? But he, Bellwas plays it to his advantage, right? He knows that... that, that uh, well, I mean, the guy never actually properly tries to run him down. He tries to, to move the lance over. He doesn't do what he's, he should do, but by that point, it's too late. And actually, speaking of which, I'm going to share the artwork for this chapter because I think it's pretty good. We'll share it with the episode. But it also summarizes it pretty well because it shows the battle <laughs> between the two of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, look at that. It's good color. Oh, this, this is by Shellfish. It's a nice work by him. Uh, he needs to get back into the fandom. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, people who are missing in action right now. Need to come back. All waiting for the book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they'll come back with the fire and blood. No, I think I think people that are that are out are probably out till the next one. Like you're either in or out right now. I think. <laughs> but what, what's kind of interesting in this chapter is I mean this is has been described before, but just the way that Bellas treats Arsten, he's just like his. I mean, he is his squire. He's like his lackey, right? He's always like bellowing to go get him and stuff for him, and then, and then but also. Baristan takes it so seriously, like he actually holds Balwas's weapon every night, compares it like like a squire should, picking up the master's weapon. Yeah, I think he's one of those dudes that really throws himself a hundred percent into whatever he's doing. So yeah. if he's like Lord Commander of the King's Guard, that's a hundred percent what he's doing. If he's a squire, that's all him. Just one of those guys. So if he was assigned to take care of the sewers as well, he would do like a good job, like make sure it's all clean. So he's oh, like, yeah, privy commander. He'd be given Tyrion lessons. <laughs> yeah, so Belwas wins that one, and it, I mean that's I mean, Danny makes the correct choice here. Put somebody that is expendable for this fight, and even if he did lose, it wouldn't be that much of an effect. And but it, but it's interesting the difference between Jorah and Barristan here, and I think Barristan is correct that Barristan is aware of things like morale are important, and and that can make the difference when two armies are equally matched. But I, I mean, you you gotta respect like. Jorah's point of view where he's like let's just go our fights in Westeros like why what are we doing here like man listen to Jorah we wouldn't have to wait so long yes. already <laughs> Jorah's view is correct in terms of what they should do overall it just just as his approach sometimes in the actual moment is not good but it's almost like shouldn't they have had this conversation before getting to Marine why do they go to Marine and then make that conversation unless it's on the way I mean technically it is I guess if you're going by land road signs on the way so they couldn't really talk about it well those were mistakes right like, like think, think about it like why did they even do that i mean they, they, they hold human life cheap fair enough they'll do that but why all they do is just made danny more angry i guess they were trying to maybe intimidate 
but it backfired because it made it that she didn't want to even consider leaving or make it like what's the point of that yeah i think it's probably like also scared to know that the slaves in her caravan which actually helps her because they, if they scare the slaves away they have more food like the unsullied are not going to be affected by that yeah, but I mean, when they're trying to portray like how brutal they are, so not only yeah, they like the slaves that are with Danny should fear the retribution that they'll get when Danny's defeated, and you know Danny's uh, you know cell swords and other you know army should be just worried about their brutality in general because that's what they'll face on the field. Hmm. Yeah, it's like Vlad the Impaler style tactic. Basically, just trying to intimidate. Didn't work, though. It, back, it really backfired on them. And then uh, Brown uh, Ben Plum likes to eat plums. He's sticking to his family name here. So he provides that. And his story is actually kind of interesting. Like, the, the whole, like, the guy with the giant man. What do you, because it actually is referred to later, I remember this. And I think it says that in the chapter notes. That the reason why it talks about that guy actually died and then his widow became pregnant so the joke was that somehow he impregnated her from beyond the grave yeah like super soon after right and that's yeah. why <laughs> <laughs> so that was the actual reference like the, the joke was that but then it was brought here they actually took it seriously right it was seriously in the sense like it was it was always meant to be a joke but they don't know why that or the origin of it right so that's kind of interesting I, I, that's i think george is best to have that kind of reference and then refer it to it again later in the works yeah, and I, I think that it's interesting that he might be setting up something just of a kind of foil to the direwolves who seem to um, anticipate treachery and, um, you know, harm to their owners, where in this chapter we see one of the dragons, like, take to Ben Plum, and, you know, we later in other books find out that he double-crosses Daenerys. Well, he may not even have like that drop of Targaryen blood if, if 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 that one is the one that became pregnant after he died, right? Like we don't even know if that's so if he actually does have that lineage or not. Right. But everybody who likes that theory likes to point to him having Targaryen blood. <laughs> and and we haven't really seen the dragons take to anyone, right? Other than Danny. Yeah, don't they like bite Miss Sandy and Eerie and all her, her handmaids? <laughs> well, like when they're on the ship. Well, don't they even bite Danny when she's like finally like flying on Drogo? Oh, probably. I'm reading about that plum uh, ancestor that he said he is said to have died while consummating his new marriage. <laughs> oh. Then <laughs> <laughs> she became pregnant, and then there's rumors that it might not be awesome for. Maybe more about uh, Brown, Brent, Ben Plum's uh, history will be in Fire and Blood. Yeah. Maybe the next could, one. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> nice little preview for that, I guess. Hmm. I mean, Belbas is badass, though, with, with his whole, like, count my scars. You can see how many I've killed. Yeah. Did, did I remember uh, after reading this chapter, like, the first time way back when, was like, I thought Belwas was such a, like a snobby <laughs> dick, and then he proves himself. I'm like, all right, this guy can roll. Like, I'm, I'm on board now. Like Team Belwas. Yeah, it's just I mean, and the fact that that Barristan is a squire is just hilarious, and it's just such a funny combo. But he he, yeah, he, is... he just 
you think that Bell was his old talk at first, and then you know. <laughs> actually can back it up, yeah. And he's, I mean, he's also a contrast to uh, Brown Ben in a sense, because Brown Ben is more maybe like, well, as he said, he's not a bold sellsword, but he wouldn't be alive if he was, right? He's willing to run away or back down in the right circumstance. There's actually a couple of uh, interesting things in this chapter that kind of allude to things that happen later. Like, they talk about how the whole marine system, like, their sewage goes into the river, and that can cause disease for armies outside. I think that's happening in Dance of Dragons, right? There's people getting sick in the army that's actually besieging because they're in the same circumstance. And also, it talks about... Danny has a kind of, like, a view where she kind of, like, imagines if, if only I could ride... Uh, Drogon and like burn down the harpy here, or melt it down, and then I mean that could very well happen later on. Yeah, which is which is weird because I think uh, in later chapters she's like really against using the dragons, even against the ships, like mm. stupidly so against using her dragons against the like the armada that's just floating outside. But at the end of the the fifth book, she seems well. To well, be that's because she wanted to use those ships for herself eventually. Yeah. That she didn't want to destroy all those ships, I think. Well, she she was doing as much restraint as possible, but by the fifth book, like she's she's probably going to come in and just go crazy, and just like take everyone out that's opposing her in 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 Marine. And then I mean, in the same page, she thinks about like what would it mean if slept with Dario. Well, she does that later. So I'm just I'm just saying some of the things in this chapter relate to things that happen later, and I think that image of her melting the harpy could very well happen. Okay, huh. so what else do we have here? Dario. Yeah, the Dario love here. <laughs> <laughs> like the blue eyes and uh, the tooth, the golden tooth. He is so into him so quickly. <laughs> He's a bad boy. Danny definitely has a type. She's not even that old. You think about that. I mean, she does often think beyond her years, but she's not that old in our Dario phase. Yeah, and Jorah's over moping in the friend zone. <laughs> womp womp. Well, then we have the the whole fight with uh, the Titan's bastard, which it's almost well. There you go. There's the other half of that duo showing proving himself, right? Beyond expectation, at least for Danny, she didn't think this, she thought this guy's just a squire, and he just blows through him with a staff. <laughs> yeah, it really just shows like. Barrison's prowess, like even when he um, talks about his escape from like King's Landing, he's just like, "Yeah, but I'm a knight, and they're like stupid guardsmen with spears. Like any knight can take that." Yeah. <laughs> like he just he just bitched this guy with his walking staff, and then he apologizes. He's like, ah, "I'm sorry, I shouldn't have let him get so close." <laughs> yeah, he doesn't he doesn't go much detail in, in that here. He just says they sent men to kill him, but he, he does mention that later how he actually like escaped and all of that. To add to that background and then well now he's revealed and then Jorah's all wanting to kill him and then pissy hmm? Jorah's all pissy yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is the man who betrayed your family and I'll put my sword to his neck and then it's like no if, if I'm going down I'm taking it out as well basically which I mean he has to reveal him right he doesn't know what Jorah's thinking now is there is, some, is your mic messed up Casey I hear kind of like a click click sound coming from it Let's see here well, then Danny's pissed off, right? Because of the the lying to her. And then she thinks of a, of a way to make use of them because she's already t- been told about the sewers. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like this is like one of the fantasy trope that, that's that been used before. It's like, oh, well, you know, no one looks underneath the streets. Like, 
<laughs> that's you know, like I don't know. What uh, do they do with the sewers later on? Do they actually like then block them up properly? Like why aren't they? Yeah, I feel like a slave city would be, you know, not big on having openings. Yeah, but but like when they describe the sewers later, like there's some crazy nightmare shit yeah. down there. <laughs> a teenage mutant oh, I, ninja turtles. I, I can't remember what the description was for them. I think I think it was like a white lizard lion or something, like an albino crocodile, well, it could, like it could lives be anything, in the sewers. It doesn't say what it is, right? It just says there's worse things in there. It doesn't actually. Describe them, just giant rats and then other things that are worse. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. I think that, that's yeah, about sure. it I have for that chapter. Is there anything else you have to say about it? I mean, it's a main, main setup chapter. Like, it's... Yeah, I mean, it, it refers... I mean, it has the, the cliff, kind of mini cliffhanger, right? I know what we're going to go and then leads into the next... Like, onto what happens later on, right? She didn't explain what she knew. So, I don't know about you guys, but, like, in the other reread, we're on a Dance with Dragons, and it just feels like this chapter, I mean, they're so early in the series, but, like, how do they just do Danny chapter after Danny chapter with just listing off these absurd names and, like, the absurd customs of, like, the Essos, uh, um, uh, like, obviously at Storm of Swords, you're like, oh, wow, what's this, like, new land? Like, let me learn all about it. Yes, give me more. Dance with Dragons, you're like, come on, get on with it. Back when we first read it, it wasn't boring. I think it's just that we've been, you know, waiting so long to get more information. For <laughs> yeah, we just want the more it's information. Just, it's, it's the stall that causes an issue with. I mean, if you have the next book faster, then you just move on, right? But it's because, well, Dance of Dragons is, is yes, it progresses the time period forward somewhat, but most of it is overlapping with Peace of Crows. That was the mistake people like, people thought it was going to progress forward, but no, they, they, it was said it was going to mostly overlap. So, yeah, so it. That's what they've been there for a long time, but it's no, I, a key, I, key point now with the battle. I guess I meant more like even like the uh, side story with Ben Plum and how he escaped and like what happened and how he had a friend and who his friend worked for and what happened with his friend and this other guy. And like we keep on getting those stories where just like in Storm of Swords, that's kind of interesting because it's world building, but later on in the series, you're just like. Was that even necessary? I don't know. That's just mine. I... Well, Storm of Swords has plot movement as well. That's the thing. Whereas a lot right. of two books just have that with no with the plots stuck there. That's the difference. Yeah, we just get more stories and stories. Just and no world plot. building, which <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the overall point of view is nice if you like the type of person likes. I like world building, but but many people don't, or many people are focused on plot first. I mean, that's the failure of the fourth, fifth books. If, if there's a failure to it, is the plot not moving. World building is just as good or as ever, and the North storyline does move the plot, and that's why it's really good. In the fifth yeah. Okay. That was all. Sure. Let's move on to Tyrion Seven. We don't really need a summary since it's only a couple pages long, so we'll go into that. Although there is, I mean, the artwork is pretty good as well, is it by Pod's Plight? But it's actually getting censored now, so if you don't have a Deviant Art account, you won't be able to <laughs> see it. It's like what. I'm not surprised. It's, it's mature. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the link out of the bookshop for you. But it's New Year's Eve in the. In nope. the... It's just this censored on mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wait, actually, if I send you the direct link, it might actually uh, work. If I paste the uh, image link, does that work? Oh, oh my yeah. god. The related <laughs> images are like some very busty girl, like right next to the mature content thing. 
No, yeah, yeah there's like an ad of like some half-naked person yeah. on deviant art well, next yeah. to this you know what? paint picture. Claude White likes to surf, I guess, when he was, he was looking for inspiration for his artwork. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the censorship here is is related to the chapter because we have Brella, who's one of the like servants who's who's became quite good at being blind, deaf, and mute while she ran Lord Renly's household. <laughs> Like the, it's those little references that that, that go by. Yeah, you don't think about the first time through, but then you realize that the second time you're like, "How did I miss that?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems so obvious, but damn, just all went right over my head. And and like when people like pointed that out to me when I didn't pick it up, I was like, "No way!" Oh, and then I was like, "Oh man, George really hit it." And then you like do your first reread, and it's like, "No, he didn't. <laughs> I'm just an idiot." <laughs> Yeah, well, then Lord uh, Giles or Giles bumped out of his uh, apartments for Tyrion's benefit. Like that guy's always getting bumped out of everything. Is, is the, cough, the coughing guy? There's a, the photo of him and he's coughing anyway. No, he dies. He does die. So he's bumped out by his own sick, coughing to death because he had to change rooms. He went to somewhere colder and he got sick. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't say when he started coughing. I, I think. It, it, I mean. Doesn't he just come in coughing? Like he's dying from tuberculosis forever? Like, it doesn't go into details here when he actually starts coughing. But I know, doesn't uh, Cersei blame Pycelle for his death? He's like, you didn't cure him, like you didn't cure John Aaron. And yeah, well, she's, like, she thinks that he might have been everyone. killed by the Tyrells for that purpose to get to open up the spot. Yeah. So anyway, Tyrion spends uh, part of the night with Shay. Down in the, in the dragon cells. It's like sitting on Balerion's skull or Vagar's skull, right? Yeah, in one of the dragon skulls. Yeah. I, I don't know if they say which one. They don't didn't determine which one it is. And uh, Tyrion keeps like thinking, well, while he's enjoying being with her, he's always also thinking, oh, she's just faking it, you fool. There's that internal monologue. And he decides, what is he going to do with her? Because she's at risk. She's now serving as Sansa's uh, servant, but could still be found out by Cersei. And my favorite part is when uh, Vary says she's he's a dumbass. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is it about her that makes you do this? And he's like, oh, if you weren't a eunuch, maybe you'd know. And he's like, oh, maybe, I, maybe it's a good thing I'm a eunuch then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it makes me a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tyrion. Yeah. Then it's yeah. Just, I mean, the Sansa's reaction to the Red Wedding information, and mm. just more information on what happened, like the brutality of it. Caitlin was dumped like it's you hear she's dumped in the river that's one thing but like it's even worse because it's meant to mock the burial tradition right the funeral customs I thought it was even worse because weren't they supposed to keep Catelyn alive so they just came up with that mockery on the fly that's right the <laughs> plan was initially was to keep her alive and then just I guess they yeah they're just like ah well that happened hey let's fuck around with her some more yeah well, they went to this such an extreme, you know, like one family might do this and then try to hide, maybe deny that it even happened. Like, oh, they just died. But then the, the phrase just went all the way in and just like did all this extreme stuff as well. Yeah. Well, they still deny it, though. They say like Rob turned into a wolf, yeah. so they had to be put down or whatever. And so <laughs> did all of his men. <laughs> they, yeah, that's right. But no one takes that seriously. I don't even know if they, they're doing that in jest as well or they actually... Yeah. And then there's, I mean, so Tyrion wants to think of what to do with Shay. He's trying to think where to send her, if she can marry somebody. And then Sir Talad is an option. Which, I mean, it's funny. He's thinking, he's a decent man and tall. 
He's a young guy. He's basically, he's basically named Tall Lad. <laughs> yeah. He's like the uh, ideal person for in comparison to Tyrion. He's thinking, right? It's so funny to me how Tyrion thinks he's so smart, but yet he's really just like ruining it for himself with Shay and fucking around with her still and like basically bringing it to the line of, you know, as as he kind of says, like line of danger or something like that, I believe. Um, And it's like he's got money. He can buy someone else. (laughs) (laughs) He's in King's Landing. They're not lacking. Yeah. I feel like he thinks Shay is like just so real. He's under some kind of like impression that like she like I feel like he thinks that other people in his past have faked it yeah, and he, he thinks just that, order the girlfriend yeah. experience. I'm sure they they know how to do that in King's Landing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he can buy probably a good one. <laughs> I mean, I mean at least according to the T V show, uh Littlefinger trains them well. Yeah. <laughs> but whoever I mean whoever he, he goes with his father's still going to go for her, unless it's just like one night or something that they she won't keep track of it but I think ultimately the, the issue with Tyrion is if, if he has such a problem here why is he staying in King's Landing why is he not going back to Castle Rock or going somewhere but I think he wants to get a bit of that power he still wants to be involved in things well yeah, I, he, wa- he wants yeah. to prove himself yeah and I think after Castle uh, Rock is rebuked from him I think yeah, he's just itching to grab some some sort of morsel of power, like because he can't go back there and be you know head of the sewers again. He doesn't no, want I mean, that. He, he, can, he could still I mean, live a good life over there. But yeah, he won't. He's not going to inherit Castle Rock and do something. But yeah, I, I think the key, the key is he wants to still be involved in the governing of the realm and to prove himself and to get power and that kind of stuff. And you don't do that in Castle Rock. You go there, you're out of everything. You're not. You're not. You're not involved. He got that little, the first little taste of power being handed to the king. Now he's got to go back. Just one bump more. Yeah, I mean, the only place he had power was in King's Landing. So I feel like that's why he's kind of trying to hold on to it and, you know, not go to Casterly Rock, at least. Would have been better for him if he left, though. He, he's at least in the short well, yeah. But it, then he thinks, like, oh, it's a new year. I, I got through the Green Fork and the Blackwater. I can bloody well survived King Joffrey's wedding, yet that's the thing that nearly gets him killed, right? Right. He <laughs> nearly survives it. Yeah. <laughs> he should have just stuck it out with the Night's Watch. Uh, I don't know if things aren't going so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he could have been leader up there. He would have hated it, but he could have led them. Yeah, but, I mean, they have Molestown. Like, there are outlets. <laughs> Wildlings. Available. Yeah. I mean, he'd have to climb in through a window, which is, you know. Well, I don't know. Right. Uh, will, will the Night's nice Watch, uh, it's uh, like, what do they do with Tyrion if he, if he actually had joined, right? What role does he play? He's got to be a steward, right? Like, help out with uh, the maesters and, like, you know, that kind of role. You know, use his brain rather than his lack of brawn or... And literally lack of brawn. Yeah, a little lack of brawn. Well, it's kind of, it kind of is an interesting uh, just what if, right? I just like, realized why George R. R. Martin named him brawn. <laughs> he needed some brawn. Oh my god, that was totally brain. the reason. <laughs> yeah, Tyrion's got brains and brawn. Yeah. But, uh, like, that, that's kind of interesting hypothetical. Let's say if he had stayed there at the start of the books and just joined for some reason. 
his wit, his intelligence is useful to be up there. But what, what there's only so much you can do, right? They're they're kind of isolated. So it's it seems like everyone who has a chance to take the go to the Night's Watch besides John, it would have been a better outcome had they done that. Like Theon thinks about it too. Like after he's taken Winterfell, he's like, yeah, yeah I could. I could be like Lord Commander. Like I could still go out hunting, and there's still a brothel around. Like that'd do okay. And Tyrion basically has like the same thought. Well, Ned, if Ned had been sent up there, they could have made a lot of use of him. Oh yeah, there. yeah. Robert should have gone up there. They needed his help. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked to see Robert go to Essos and be like the roaming knight that he wanted to be with Ned. Uh, I, I would have liked. Like those stories of Robin, Ned, and right, he, he, should, he should have done that. I mean, he, 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 he was useless there. He should have earlier done that. And unless, like, I don't like, like. Here's a question: Like, was John Aaron just so incompetent, or just no, no one listened to him? But if Robert had left and put John Aaron in actual like as regent, and he was able to rule, do you think he would have done better? I think Robert had the measure of Cersei, and I mean that's his whole reason. He's like the only reason I don't is because that crazy Joffrey would be in charge with Cersei at his like at his ear. Like I can't do that. Yeah. So. But but he could put a regent. I mean, like he, he's not really helping things by put being there. He did a shit job of it by being there. Yeah, but there is something to be said about being the king. <laughs> he made a good he's use the king, of and that. then he doesn't listen. Like I don't know anything. Uh-oh. No, it almost makes you think if he, if he had a Tywin as regent, and then Tywin could have helped in Joffrey's oh, right. upbringing, it might have made a big difference. Since apparently that kid has yes, no idea I what mean, discipline is. Tywin had an interest in seeing the realm be stable. He's not Littlefinger who wanted to destabilize things. He could have made. Yeah, I mean, I feel yeah, like no. anyone would have been a better parent than Cersei and Robert to Joffrey. Yeah, that's true. Tywin yeah, was giving him a sharp lesson. Yeah, I think Tywin like wants a whole realm, and it, and he wants the Lannisters in charge, and that's why you know he's willing to burn everything just to get to that. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that the reason they didn't choose Tywin is pretty obvious. It's like his involvement with everything, him backstabbing the Targaryens. It's a why yeah. wouldn't they choose him to be the, like in charge of Robert? Who I, it feels like Robert, like even people back then didn't trust Robert completely with being the king, anyways. Well, yeah, that's they they still say like, oh, some people still call you the usurper, like you know. So, yeah. but they all trust John Aaron. But he wasn't up to the task. I mean, like. He- for whatever reason, like he did not, he feel didn't listen to what he did, or he didn't make use of it, or I mean, he did bring, he, he did enable Littlefinger. That's, that's a problem. Like Littlefinger mm-hmm. also came along with him. He did have stinky breath and uh, bad sperm. And Pycelle was there too. I mean, like I think he was just surrounded by a lot of yeah. bad people. But Pycelle did not want to destabilize the realm, though, right? Like, he did, he did not want to weaken it, like. Like why? Why was the kingdom in such debt? I mean, I guess we're debt to the Lannisters. I guess that was their benefit to hold them. They owed a lot of money to the Lannisters, in that sense. But yeah, I don't. And I don't think anyone really understood what Littlefinger was doing. Yeah, I don't think they did, still. I don't understand really what Littlefinger <laughs> well, I mean, was that's, doing. That's what Stefan Sasse summarized so well. Is, is is like 
Littlefinger is trying to ruin everything. He knows economics, but he's trying to ruin everything, and the rest of them don't know shit. That's 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 how Westeros is right now for its like economic and financial theories. Uh, but you know, it's kind of interesting because we have this like prime, let's say, uh, storyline or prime um, universe or whatever of like this is what happened in the books. But there's just so many alternate things that could have happened. I mean, there, there was a the whole plot to that Renly was planning to bring up. Uh, with Loras, like Mar- Marjorie, to replace Cersei, and that easily could have happened in like a Henry VIII type scenario. Yeah, but it, he like Cersei had Tywin and Jaime armor. Like, there's no way he could have. She could have just been put aside like that without the realm erupting. Like yeah, well, it, would it would later have, do I mean, anyway. Would, 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 would Robert necessarily have had a problem with that? I mean, like you get, you get to replace your sh- your shitty son. I mean, they didn't even know about the whole, or, or did they? Well, somebody would probably figure it out. That it wasn't actually his son, but they probably just would have made it up anyway and be like, yeah, <laughs> even if he was yeah. a son, they would have made up that story and then started the thing and, and had the Tyrell just backing him up. It's like a whole different set of events that could have happened. Yeah, I never understood how they were planning on getting rid of Cersei. Well, they just like, they, they like just, were they planning on accusing her of infidelity or were they like just divorce a thing? Well, they they were they were surprised. I mean, like the, the, when Stannis started saying, they, I think they basically said we should have thought of that. So I don't think that was in their mind to do that. Uh, they thought, well, that's a good idea. We should have just said that they weren't. But I think they were just going to have her appear in his bed and then like be like, hey, you should just do a little swaparoo now. <laughs> divorce, <laughs> I guess. Set set her aside. And uh, well, if he wants to have a divorce, he can do so. He's a king. But have other kings had divorces? Do we know that? Is this a fire and blood question that will be yeah, answered? I feel like they just add wives in the past. Well, that's right. He, yeah, I mean, right. Well, he could. He, he, just add, he could add the second wife, and then you I mean, like, have a new line of children coming from that. But then you could set aside the first line of kids or something. Like I mean, they could. That was their idea, I guess, is to go along. And the Tyrells would have backed that up. And then, I mean, the Lannisters just don't have any friends. Like, if you think about it, like, if they don't have the Tyrells, who's going to support them? Yeah, they have the Westerlands, and that's it. And only because the Westerlands are still like you know going by the reins and Tarbeck Hall and everything, they're like, ah, oh, we'll stick with you guys for a bit. Like this one scenario is like the one world line with the Lannisters. I mean, they're getting screwed over now, but they actually like they were did okay in the medium time period. Like there's so many other scenarios that when they would just be crushed by various different combinations of houses. But well, I, I, I still can't get over when Cersei laughs and when she finds out that uh. But Renly and Stannis are fighting each other. Doesn't she like, pick up Tyrion and twirl him around or something? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> like, wow. They were so screwed. And then... <laughs> well, not, not only Renly and Stannis are fighting each other, but then Stannis kills Renly, and then this whole weird split happens with half the army. Because like nine ten, uh, times out of ten, Renly just steamrolls Stannis and just moves on with slightly less troops. Like, it still doesn't help their problem, right? It was just such mm-hmm. a combination of events that helped them out. That's why I think about the people who made the board game Fantasy Flight games, because the Lannisters often get beat up in those games. They, they're, they're, they must be of that view is that the Lannisters probably the most cases lose, except for the odd game where they come up on top. So they always end up getting beat up <laughs> in the board game. They're disadvantaged, which, I mean, they are disadvantaged to start in terms of the, the books themselves. Or the game people just uh, hated the Lannisters. Yeah, yeah, that could be. <laughs> but I feel like every major battle that the Lannisters have 
that I know about. Weren't they the ones that were driven into the God's eye by the Northmen during Dance with Dragons? And then they were the ones burnt to a crisp on Redgrass Field. And I, f- I feel like they lost a few big battles. Well, they had the mix. They, they, won, they won many and they lost many. I mean, it, it, apparently they had, a, from World of Ice and Fire, they had quite a feud going on with the Ironborn for a long time. I and mean, they, they even invaded the Iron Islands a couple of times. And, oh really? Yeah, at least once, if not uh, more than that. Yeah, I know Balon torched their fleet, right? That's the most recent example. Yeah, that, that, that's recent. like, like they've, Iron Islands have always been a problem that was never solved properly. Came close multiple times. They came very close to getting integrated, and somebody would come by and be, be like, "I want to make the Iron Islands great again," and then uh, <laughs> get rid of the Westeros influences. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 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 not to get political or anything <laughs> exactly what I mean, what do you mean? Exactly what happened it, 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 there was various times where the Iron Islands were almost assimilated they almost they were getting the faith they were like getting maesters and then some person would come like this is bullshit we're going to the old way and then just reset the clock on it basically so that's well Robert I mean Robert should have just crushed him and said that he let Balon off and, you know, only took Theon as a ward or whatever. That's, that's right. Yeah, I mean, letting Balon off was that, a mistake. That was a huge mistake. You don't do that. Like, I don't know. If, if he lives, he goes to the wall. You send his yeah. entire family to the wall. If he lives. Like, he, he, he bent the knee after, like, you've taken his like, castle. That's, like, the worst time to bend the knee. There's so many yeah. stages before he could have done that. He's, like, the second about when you're about, you're about to chop his head off. He's like, oh, I'm going to bend the knee. So sorry, you can't do that at the last second. You don't get that. Totally no, you, it's like you lost, bud. <laughs> this yeah. is you it's losing. Cowardly. It's like the most cowardly move ever. And it's like, oh, I was just bending the knee so I could raise it later. Well, no, don't let him raise it later. Like, it just, it, 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 there was no reason. And, it, it, I mean, there, that's Robert's incompetence there. Although, I mean, what reason the incompetence? Was it because Tywin maybe said, like, take his head off and then Robert wanted to spite him maybe or something? I, I don't know. Like, what was the driving reason for his incompetence? But it was incompetence there to... If they live, they go to the wall. That's it, and then put a proper like, you know, regent there or something. Probably will fail because they've tried that before and it's failed. But still, it's better than what happened. Give it a shot. Yeah, where where the fuck was uh, Roose Bolton during that fight? Wasn't he the one that told <laughs> Robert to like skin Barristan after the uh, Battle of the Trident? <laughs> and Robert's like, no. I mean, but the thing is, in, in in World of Ice and Fire, it, it shows in previous times they actually did pretty much like scour the islands. But it, it, I mean, that didn't do it either, right? Like that. Like the point is not scouring, but to to replace the ruling power there, yeah. the support of the mainland. I honestly feel like Ned just when this all happened, I feel like he saw like a light in Tyrion, and like Robert and his plan was just to like raise up a good um, Greyjoy for once, and maybe that would solve the problem. But I feel like that's like the the I don't know yeah, if any of you seen Dexter. Dexter way of doing they, they like, needed to get rid of Balon for yeah. that plan to work. Yeah. yeah. The sec- literally, the, the, literally, the second they they started sailing away, Balon's like, "Okay, let's get crack and start rebuilding that fleet." They start <laughs> crack and see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they literally they they started the shipbuilding program the second the ship started leaving. Like maybe maybe they should have stuck Stannis there for a few years and done more good than Dragonstone. And had him be there for a while to keep things in line. Oh my god, Stannis on the Iron Islands, that's hilarious. <laughs> on another island. <laughs> yeah. Well, he would have done more good there than Dragonstone. 
Yeah, but then he would have been all butthurt that he didn't get Storm's End or Dragonstone. He just got the Iron <laughs> Islands. <laughs> I think. I think. You think. I think what the World of Ice and Fire may be trying to show is the issue really is the Iron Islands themselves. Like, let's say you do put somebody in charge or whatever, they probably over a few generations will just assimilate assimilate into Iron Islands culture, just this, this offshooter culture where it's, it has to raid to survive because they can't really. Yeah, I think that's probably problem. part of the problem. No one's immigrating to the Iron Islands. Yeah. No one wants to. If they go to. in small enough numbers, <laughs> they will just assimilate and do that. I'm saying even if they went in large enough numbers, they might end up with the same problem. They might just become the next generation of Ironborn. Like, it's just being on the island would be problematic. I mean, well, the, the, well it's got religion as well, that they have a... Their culture is so yes, different, right? Yes, it's ingrained into that, right? And they got close to, to leaving it, but then they went back to it. But I mean... Because that is preventing I mean, the trade. They should do. I mean, they, they, they do that a bit. Asha goes and trades. The switches to you should trade. Yeah, you can't survive on those islands by yourself. You don't have the resources. Well, then go and trade, and they have the ability to do that. But then they fall back on the the old way. But if they, they could be quite rich if they were just like trading around in Essos and bringing back goods. Yeah. That doesn't sound as cool. No. <laughs> well, they they, they want to be pirates. The, the, the culture is specifically that. They said, did you pay the iron price or the gold price? The gold price is embarrassing, right? The ends of Aris say, I paid for this thing. You didn't just take it off some guy's dead corpse? No, I, I paid for it. He's embarrassed. Yeah, it's called commerce, you dick. And like, this is how <laughs> civilized people transact. You know. uh, yeah, and I, I feel like, um, like they're... they're well, we'll see what happens with them uh, I mean, with the, under Euron, but I feel like they're just like an incurable. They're kind of the Dothraki of Westeros, right? Yes, to sh- with ships instead of horses. Like yes. everything relies around like their ships, their reaving. Like you know, I, I think at one point they even said like, "Oh, he used to sing the old re- reaving songs that were outlawed, but he sang them anyway, or whatever." Like when they were trying to like get away from the old way. But what is dead may never die. Well, what they should have done is just stuck a bunch of Northmen there, maybe brought a uh, bear, bear island people over. They uh, would there would be blood in the streets. <laughs> oh, but the problem is this place is not under control, right? And and we're talking about the medieval point of view too. We're not talking about the modern solution to this problem. But what solution was available to them at the time is they could bring a bunch of like North people over and just stick them there. <laughs> You know what the solution would be? It would be like the same thing as like Skagos, where they just keep to themselves, except that Ironborn wouldn't. Is just burn all their ships. It doesn't sound like they have timber enough on the islands to build another one. And just let them do their thing. It could be a nature preserve. People could go out there and like, you know, watch the wild Ironborn and be like, ah, yeah, look at that. Well, the islands islands can't support the population at the numbers it is now without reaving. You just settle the north. They have plenty of space for them. And then they get assimilated. It, it, it just, they can't, it can't, it's not a sustainable society without raiding or trading. They refuse to trade. I wonder what would happen if they, like, force traded with them for a little bit, though. Like, they, they gave them some stuff and they'll be like, you know, we'll like, accept yeah, some stuff back from you. You know, if, they, if you live the life for a little bit, maybe they would end up liking it. Yeah, the, the, the whole, what they would have to do is raise the standard of living for everyone through yes. <laughs> um, actual uh, co- commercialism. In, what, what is it? Capitalism. <laughs> you got to bring capitalism to the Iron <laughs> Island. <laughs> do is you free all the thralls that aren't freed already and use that as your base too, right? It's like... Uh, 
this whole civil war thing, right? You gotta, you gotta, what was, what was that term called? Yeah, but you can't have a really good capitalist system without a really underpaid, uh, like, labor force. <laughs> so <laughs> we'd have to keep the thralls there for a bit. Yeah, but they'd be free. They'd be- yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they'd be their servants instead. I think Tyrion says, like, a thing, the difference between slaves and servants, like, there's not much. <laughs> well, that's, that's it for this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I like how our conversations can go from Tyrion and his whore to solving the problem of the Iron Islands. <laughs> <laughs> All organically, too. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> so we well, get, we get mean, to this chapter, it's like, oh, it's going to be a short chat now. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, there's a certain uh, unrealistic element to George's works, and I mean, just the timelines of these things. Like, if you look at World of Art, it's just the same thing over and over and over. Like, well, I mean, I guess maybe the point is that the culture is so different. That's why it keeps coming up again. Like, they're not. I still think it might be a weakness when the way that the I mean, World of Ice and Fire was never meant to be a real history book, right? It's just a fun book and random right. world building. It doesn't have to make sense. Yeah, and I mean, like, he was smart to do it from the perspective of a maester, so that, you know, it's all hearsay anyways. Yeah, it was a, it was a good trick for that book, but I'm getting kind of sick of it with the, like, and then the fire and blood and everything that we've got from the Dance with Dragons and everything, um, or about the Dance of Dragons, like the Rogue Prince and, uh, or the other ones, the Black and the Greens or whatever. Um, all those in that same style from one maester is getting a little, I don't know, a little tiresome for me. I wish he'd do it more like in a, it, not by like a POV, but more like maybe a Dunkin' Egg kind of, you know, narration, more of a story rather than it being dictated to you. Um, did anybody read the excerpt that George posted at all? I don't, I don't know if I want, if we want to bring it up, um, for like spoiler purpose. Yeah, but... I've avoided anything that's related to being a spoiler okay. we're talking about the, it's a fire and blood yeah i've, I've avoided oh. that too yeah i was gonna read that i didn't get we didn't get the chance to do that so i guess we won't go into it because we have the book coming up yeah i can only say that it did ignite uh, like i was really like man fire and blood it's just another thing that's not wins and reading that little excerpt did get me a little excited for it and i was like okay i'm back on board <laughs> agree <laughs> i mean for us, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy these these works that come out, and I do it. I, I can see why people. I'm gonna not, say I enjoyed World of Ice and Fire more than I enjoyed Dance with Dragons. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, no, I mean to, I did too. To <laughs> yeah. Well, because it, it, the World of Ice and Fire is so unabashedly what it is, right? It's, it's this whole like fun thing right. with world building, whatever. It doesn't have to progress the plot. It's just it's just it's just this giant encyclopedia. And I'd like it more just for the artwork. I mean, the yes. artwork in that book is amazing. Everybody likes a good coffee book, and it's a great coffee book. The more things we can get press copies, the better. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, since uh, Casey and I are on board, you're getting those copies, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I get mine one day earlier anyway. You, you still get yours oh, one damn. day earlier. You're still, you're still part of the exclusive club. That's good. Well, then I'll be the one representing the, all the suckers there buying it the same day it comes out. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, we're not really allowed to say anything, right? So it's not like we can go around showing up, hey, look at my copy. Well, I, I think <laughs> after the certain date, I think after, uh, on the 15th or later, we will be allowed to post pictures. 
the fact that we have it is fine. Is to be known. We just can't put any details on the inside. But after that, the embargo date, we we can, like, we'll I'll confirm that. But at least and also, guess, it's not, it's I, not I, like I you guys just couldn't not record this and just talk about it and nerd out about it. But I just want to put it on a necklace and wear it around my neck, just so you know people can see that I got it early. <laughs> that, that's that's what I when I had the world of ice and fire is i was i was allowed to, sh to only show the photos of the cover so i'd be just all these photos of me like reading it on the <laughs> sofa or something <laughs> oh boy all right well thanks for joining us yeah, it was good it's good to have you two back with us today and uh check us out on podcastadviceandfire.com on facebook and twitter and of course deviantart make sure you log in those uh, more racy chapters uh, covers <laughs> and uh, we'll be back with an interview with uh, although the interview with, with Jason Walden will be recorded soon to so get your questions in it won't be released till whenever the game is released but we'll be back hopefully more frequently than we have been in the last few months we're going to get this chapter reread going and Fire and Blood as well so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time thanks guys yeah, thanks for having us. That was a lot of fun. Yep, glad to be back. I keep going on disappearing streaks. <laughs> <laughs>
went off with the Wildlings and served under them. And the third time after Summer helped him get away from the Wildlings in book three, and he thought I could, you know, flee south and meet up with Rob, but he didn't really consider it and knew he had to be there at the wall for when the Wildlings attacked. And uh, the third, and this is maybe the biggest, you know, stretch of the imagination because we don't really have a lot to go on at this point for this one, would be Tyrion. And we think that his three uh, are wives, you know, with Tisha and Sansa being the first two, and this is expecting him to marry again. And I know there are people who think, you know, he'll fall in love with Danny and marry her, and I think that's a possibility. And the whole Tyrion is a Targaryen theory, you know, where true would make all three heads of the Targaryen dragon, though I personally don't think that how the dragon necessarily has to be a Targaryen. I think it is just the dragon riders, and there are usually three dragons, so I don't necessarily think that means three Targaryens. But, yeah, that's that's basically it. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry if this message was way too long. I know my voice can get pretty annoying. I think it's, like, past three minutes already, so... Yeah, just uh, sorry, and uh, if you guys play it on the podcast, thanks. If not, you know, just thanks for listening to this and, you know, our, our crazy theories. And uh, keep up the great work with the podcast. Stay safe and, you know, have a nice day. Have a great day. Uh, uh, thanks. See ya. Well, probably not, but, you know, now I sound like an idiot, so I'm going to stop talking. All right. Bye.